Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Hello, hello, welcome back. You are listening to episode 190, Alcohol-Free Lifestyle with Carolina Shavolska. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes and make sure you use code witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I am your host, Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and your emotions are not in the way, but they are actually leading the way. And today we are talking with Carolina Javoska. I think I said it right, who is a certified alcohol-free coach who helps powerful women make alcohol insignificant in their lives. She's worked with thousands of clients through her online courses and coaching to change their drinking habits and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. In her book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, she will uh, which was already out on the bookshelves now. So any anywhere you can find it. She is a host of Euphoric Podcast and the founder of Euphoric Alcohol Free. And her work has been featured in the Huffington Post, Pop Sugar, Authority Magazine, Great List, and Elite Daily. Carolina is passionate about helping you discover what you really makes you happy outside of a beverage and design a life that you love. Welcome back to the show for a second time, Carolina. I'm so excited to talk about your new book. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm so excited to be here. And I think something that you said about, you know, really your show's message and your your whole brand vibe is like your body and your emotions are leading the way. They're not in the way. And I think it's actually such a critical thing to be said about alcohol. Because I think if we're really being honest with ourselves, if we're really allowing ourselves to be aware about how alcohol you know, affects our bodies. Like nobody drinks the day before and then wakes up the next morning being like, yeah, I feel like a million bucks. Right. And yet we're like taught to ignore that. We're taught like, don't, don't even think about that. You have to drink to be normal. You have to drink to socialize. You have to drink to be confident. You have to drink to relax. And it's like these messages that override our body and our emotions. And then we basically think like, well, I guess I have to drink or else I'll be called an alcoholic or I have to drink or else I'll be called boring. You know what I mean? And so um, I wasn't any of those things. And yet I used my own intuition to determine, Hey, is this habit serving me or not? And then really kind of use curiosity to, to lead the way forward. Oh, so beautifully said. Cause I know we talked off air and you beautifully summarized it, but like 
obviously if you're listening to witchy wellness radio, you are more intuitive of, of a person and what works for some people might not work for you. Like I love coffee. I love, love, love coffee. My body does not do well with caffeine. Like I digest it or, and metabolize it very quickly. I, I've stopped drinking it, but for some people, coffee is great. Like they can have a cup and be fine. But for me, it's, it's not good. So it's like, what, what intuitively works for you short-term and long-term has to change. And I love approaching everything in life with curiosity and not so much judgment. But when something is so seeped into our culture, like alcohol, and whether you realize it or not, in most all social settings, it's around drinking and it can get kind of sticky if you're not, you know, if you're not stick to your guns, if you know what's, what's the best, what's the best for you. I even think about eating gluten-free too. I, I, I attain it to that. Like when I, what, you know, when you go down to a table, you get, you get rolls when you go out to dinner. Well, same thing with that. It's like, well, what would you like to drink with your meal? You know? So I would love to hear your transition is a little bit, um, your transformational story. You know, what was the process that you went through personally you kind of started to think, mm, maybe this isn't for me. And like, what did you gain out of that? Because I know you teach women to ditch alcohol and, and actually live their dream lives, but how did, how did you get there? <laughs> yeah, it's such a good question. And I love like where this conversation is going because, you know, a lot of people I talk to, it's such an interesting story. It's like the first few experiences they had with alcohol were usually like, you know, it's gross. It's like weird. I don't like feeling drunk or dizzy or something like that. And then like that is pushed through. Right. And then people fall in love with it. And it's like, okay, it's the key for me to feel confident. It's the key for me to feel popular. It's like, it's salvation in a bottle. Right. And then it turns into love hate, right. Because you still like attach all this good associations with it. Like it's fun, it's relaxing, but then you have some of those negative consequences. And I'm not talking here about like you're hiding bottles of vodka around in your house. I'm talking about just regular drinking. The thing that we do that's pushed on us from society, the social drinking, the Saturday night, the Friday, the the wine and Netflix, whatever it looks like, you know, for you, consumption level does not matter to me. You know, it could be little, it could be a lot. It might not be serving you. And so it's so interesting that like we go through love, hate, and then like, we're not really allowed to lean into that. And that's really where I found myself a few years ago. So I drank way too much, way, way, way too much in college and grad school. I, I was partying. I had no boundaries around alcohol. I didn't really have very many healthy tools for myself at all. Like I wasn't eating very well. I wasn't working out very often. I was just like hedonistically living my life back then. I was a kid, whatever but I grew up and I started to become a lot more of a healthy, mindful person. So by the time I'm in my late twenties and I turned 30 years old, I consider myself very healthy and mindful. And I live this like Jekyll and Hyde behavior basically. So Monday through Thursday, I went to the yoga class. I did my meditation. I had my green juice. I ate pretty well. And then every single weekend, alcohol came into the picture, whether it was a social event, a sushi night, a game night, brewery night, Netflix and wine and chill, you know, whatever. It was like clockwork every weekend. And on Monday mornings, I would wake up feeling like hell every Monday morning. Not only was there the physical, literally effects of it, obviously, but it was such an emotional, like gut punch to me. Like I felt like there was this dark cloud that followed me around. 
I felt really ashamed of myself. Even if I didn't do anything dumb or embarrassing, I just felt ashamed that I didn't abide by my intentions. Like the workout was out the picture. Maybe I had a a drink too many than I said I would, you know, the promises were always being broken. And it was just this repetitiveness. Like here I am again, every Monday, I never slept well on Sunday nights. Here I am again, here I am again, here I am again. So I start to feel better, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, my energy is getting back up. Right. And then it's Friday and it's time to drink again. And it was just such a cyclical living. And so I knew I didn't like it. I knew I was unhappy with it. And I thought the answer was just to make alcohol as small as possible. So like, I really tried to moderate and in many, like in many definitions of that word, I was successful, right? I actually drank less year after year and I kept track of it. I had these spreadsheets. That's how I know this. And Yet at the same time, it like didn't matter whether I had four drinks and obviously would feel like crap the next day, or I only had one, I would still ruin my sleep. I would still feel exhausted. I would still feel just not great. And I was like, damned if you do, damned if you don't basically felt like, but I couldn't see any other alternatives out there. Like I started looking around and all I found was like, the sobriety world, which was like, okay, you, you get a DUI, you lose your kids, you have to hit rock bottom, you go to AA, and then you're in recovery for the rest of your life. And it honestly looked even more painful than what I was going through. You know, I was like, I don't want that. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. I mean, there's no judgment to any other method, but it just didn't look like a life of happiness to me. It really looked like a life of deprivation and, you know, calling yourself sick and diseased. So I didn't make any changes because I really didn't see any other examples out there. I literally thought that if I wasn't drinking, people would assume I was an alcoholic or assume that like just the worst of me. And that like social pressure really, you know, kept up for a long time. I also always felt like I deserved it. So when I did do well, like say I don't drink for four or five days, I'm like, hey, I did so well. How do I reward myself with alcohol? So I obviously had all of these like ingrained things in my brain about how alcohol serves me. Uh, Very subconscious, even though consciously I I was starting to get the hint that nope, (laughs) it's not working. Subconsciously, these things were really, really strong. And we can talk a little bit about that further. But finally, I hear about dry January. And that's where I have this aha moment. I'm like, oh, like anyone can do this. Anyone can take a break from alcohol. And I tried dry January and it was like, I didn't have to explain myself to anyone. I didn't have to go tell people I had a problem. I'm just taking a break from alcohol. It's dry January. It's a thing people, right? And my eyes really opened during that experience. I fell in love with the way I felt. I literally woke up with more energy every day. My sleep was better, but also there was this sense of pride and love I had for myself every day. Like every day I did what I intended to do. I didn't break any promises. My self-esteem wasn't crumbling every single day. I showed up for myself. And that was like really rebuilding my self-worth and my self-trust. February comes along and I still don't believe that a normal adult cannot drink, right? Like it's my first social occasion. I drink again then. And I drink a few times that February, really with this new cognition that I have of like what it feels like to take a break. And I hate it. I literally hate it. I notice the contrast so much. The sleep is horrible, especially to my mood is what I finally noticed. Like when I wasn't drinking, I was literally euphoric. I felt really alive. I felt really grateful. I felt really appreciative of everything around me. And I noticed just like one or two drinks in after that initial buzz wears off, I got cranky. I got frustrated. I got little, even picking little fights with my husband. I was like, holy hell, this sucks. Like drinking sucks. It's not what I thought it was. So at that moment, I decided to take another break in late February. And basically that carried me over to four years. I just celebrated four years alcohol-free 
And seriously, every day and every week that went by, especially in that first year, just got better and better and better and better. Not only did my physical like health and well-being improve, but mostly I really rediscovered this positive beliefs about myself instead of believing that something was wrong with me. And lastly, I got the confidence from that experience to then go after much bigger goals and dreams I have in my life. Yeah. Like writing a book. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What really resonated like for me, even if we just look at like keeping to our own word, you know, say what we we're going to do because for me, that's such a self-esteem meter. If I like to overfill my plate, whether, you know, and and then you, you look for reasons to be disappointed in yourself and then it, it, it encourage you maybe to drink more or eat gluten or whatever, you know, is not good for you. Um, or like you said, you're like, oh, I made it to the weekend or, I, you know, I, let me celebrate and have a drink. It's like either way, sometimes we like to make these like, we like maybe not argue with ourselves. We like to to present the case like, well, I could do this once. Like you can hear that voice coming in like in the morning for me, I'm not a morning person. So when that alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, well, you know, you could sleep like 15 or 30 minutes. Cause like you went to bed a little bit later last night. You don't really need to go to the gym this morning. You know, it starts to like, it's like that little devil on the shoulder comes in. But I know all of that stems from subconscious beliefs and, you know, the thoughts that we think and the beliefs that we have really dictate how we act. And if we're not aware of that, we can self-sabotage very easily, very quickly. Um, So I guess, how did you start working through that? Like what beliefs did you maybe uncover in yourself? Um, And then like working with other clients through your course and through your book, like what, what have you found with other women? Cause I, it's so socially pressured, but I I feel like it's such an internal self-esteem and confidence thing too. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. And you know, sometimes when I look back at it, it wasn't even like the alcohol itself. It like, it was the mental turmoil it brought me, you know? And so like what you're describing to me was like the mental gymnastics. I drank a few days a week. It wasn't something to call rehab about. Right. And yet alcohol was on my mind all the time. And it's not like I was like desperate for like, where's my next drink. It was more of like, should I drink tonight? Should I not? I have that presentation tomorrow morning. Oh, but my friends invited me out. Okay. But you'll go, but you'll only have one. Okay. But they're all having to, it was constant chatter in my brain. It was nonstop. And whether I was negotiating with myself or making new promises about it or planning it, it took up so much mind space, the recrimination, the rumination, the should I, shouldn't I. When I got free from that, I was like, oh, my brain was built to do something real big in this world. And it wasn't to think about how many drinks I'm going to have tonight. Like that was the biggest aha moment for me. So basically with my work that I do both with my clients and that I really recognize in myself is that over time, we are exposed to both ideas in you know marketing and our society, but also that we develop within ourselves that alcohol serves our core human needs, our core emotional needs. 
And we don't think these things are subconscious. You know, we have a stressful day at work. We want to pour a drink. We have a good day at work. We also want to pour a drink, right? It's crazy. It's not just this one reason why we drink. There's a myriad of reasons. And they get really embedded in our subconscious as these strong associations we have with alcohol. So first of all, stressful day, right? We all think that drinking relaxes us. That is like the number one reason most people say that they drink. They just need to unwind at the end of the day. We're so productive. We go, go, go all the time. I just need to freaking zone out and chill, right? Now, obviously that is a big reason why people drink. But the irony as I leaned in, some of these beliefs for me weren't just just changed by like thought work, you know? It was actually by looking into the science behind alcohol. Alcohol releases stress hormones in your body. When we drink, it is a depressant. And so in order to counteract that slowing down that it does to the brain and the body, we will release stress hormones in response. We release cortisol, adrenaline, and something called dynorphin, which is like the opposite of endorphins. And they make you feel very low and kind of depressed. In fact, they found high levels of dynorphin in people who commit suicide. And so this is literally this chemical cocktail is being released every time we drink, you know, even if it's just the one drink. And most of the time we don't notice it because the buzz of alcohol or the immediate gratification, the, you know, that the, the spike of dopamine, that's like what we get for the first 20 minutes. This comes a little later. This could be a few hours later. It could hit you in the middle of the night. It could hit you the next day. So that dark cloud of energy that hit me every Monday morning was like, it wasn't me. It literally physically was not me, right? It was the effect of alcohol on my brain. And so when you start to see alcohol, not as a 20 minute experience, but a 48 hour experience, there's no hell in any shape or form that it actually relaxes a human brain or a human body. It actually causes more stress in the human body and the brain. Not only are those stress hormones going on, but your body now has to detox this poison. It technically is a poison, right? Your body has to work overtime. You reduce all your REM sleep also when you drink, even just one drink. So it's like it literally puts your body on adrenal overload to try to combat this toxin for yourself. It's not relaxing. I would remember waking up the next day Everything I was stressed about the day before still existed for me. I didn't do anything to either process it, solve it, make progress on it, really actually decompress, you know, truly decompress. None of that happened. And I woke up with way less stamina to face the day. You know what I mean? Like it compounds your stress. They've actually find, found that alcohol and anxiety are tied on a molecular level on the body. So that was like just this huge aha. Like anytime I was thinking to myself, geez, I just need to unwind. I just need to relax. I, immediately I have this new information in my brain. Like, well, alcohol is like doing the opposite for you, you know? And if someone's drinking... This is like why I'm very like not black and white about it. Like you can experiment with this, check it out, you know, check it out for yourself. Like notice it next time you drink, how do you feel that night? How do you feel the next morning? How do you feel like your mood for the next three days after that occasion? Like it will be different. Um, and sometimes we don't have a contrast to measure it against. Cause if you drink closer to every day, you know, I've worked with a lot of women who think this is just what it feels like to get old. This is just what it feels like to have no energy to just be zapped to just whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. It's like, that's the effect of alcohol. And when they remove it, they're like, Oh my, this is what my body really feels like. You know? Cause if you think about it in our normal society, we start drinking at teenagers, right? Most of the time, teenage college, whatever it's young. And we keep up the habit. 
for the rest of our lives, unless we're pregnant or we like hit rock bottom. That is the normal expectation of a human's life cycle. Why would someone stop drinking if there's not a problem, right? It's this habit we carry. So it's really hard for us to even know what our natural mental state and our natural body state is supposed to feel like. So that's huge. That's one one, right? And there's a lot of other scientific ones. Maybe you think it helps you sleep. Maybe you think, you know, all these different things. Uh, just like literally learning about the science of it and then really, really being aware about how it is affecting your life. But other ones are kind of like, I thought alcohol made me confident. So I'm an introvert. I grew up really, really shy. And so when I started drinking as a teenager, I was like, ooh, this magical elixir. It turns me into an extrovert. I can be gregarious. I can be the life of the party. And for so long, a whole decade, I basically outsourced my confidence to a drink. Now, in reality, it did not make me more confident. Like literally there were the times I embarrassed myself and woke up feeling the worst shame ever, right? How does that really contribute to confidence? But also too, all the benign times, like it's like I showed up somewhere and I couldn't even be okay in my skin. I had to reach for a drink, right? I told my subconscious over and over, you're not enough on your own. You are not confident. You are not likable. You are not talkative. Nobody thinks you have anything interesting to say unless you're holding this beverage and consuming it, right? That was damaging to my self-worth and my self-esteem. And it really, really made me more like less confident over time. I was worried. Did I have wine teeth? You know, like, did I say something out of character, out of integrity? Always, always more rumination than actual true confidence. When I removed it from my life, it was this like new territory. Like, oh, I have to deal with the social anxiety. It's like, maybe when I was 18, I didn't have the skills to deal with it then, but today I do. And today I've learned that's kind of like a muscle. It's kind of like public speaking. You know, the more I do it, the better I get at it. And also I'm only going to find that sense of confidence within. I'm never going to find it outside of myself with a certain crutch or a beverage or anything like that. And so it just increased my confidence so much. And the longer I went alcohol-free, it was also like, I was like smashing my Achilles heel. Like it just didn't have power or control over me anymore. It almost felt like the strength you get from when you like deny an ex-boyfriend into your life anymore. You know what I mean? Like I will survive by Aretha Franklin. Like you make me weak in the knees. I get that, but you're not allowed to come here and make me feel like shit anymore. You're just not allowed big boundary. And that confidence really started to spill over into other areas of my life. So I think fundamentally, there's a lot of core reasons why we, we, we need to, we want to drink or we like to drink like the need to be able to switch from our sympathetic nervous system of just like go, go, go action all day to like our parasympathetic nervous system where we soothe and we truly decompress like we're actually looking for a drink to solve that for us. And we are sold that we are sold that lie. Like it's on TV everywhere. I even read an article on like, like eat, eat well, something magazine. I don't know. And it literally listed like, Oh, a glass of wine every day will relax you. And I wanted to like grab the author of that and smack them. Like there's, there's absolutely no science that like every science in the book will refute that for you. So it's this huge cultural idea that we're really, you know, that we're really working against. But if someone can just start to recognize what needs am I, am I looking to solve with a drink? My need to feel excited, right? Like sometimes it wasn't a stressful day, right? It's like, it's Friday. I need something different. I need to get out of my routine. I need to do something fun. I need to do something exciting. Well, alcohol actually just does this big spike of dopamine, but it actually then crashes afterwards. And what happens over time is since your brain gets used to these high spikes, just like with any drug, cocaine or heroin, 
you get desensitized to the naturally occurring dopamine or other good neurotransmitters in your life. So you actually are able to experience less joy with things that are supposed to make you happy, like a belly laugh or a cuddle with your puppy or a walk in the woods. Like these things don't register in your brain and the actual receptors that like capture the, the, the neurotransmitter of dopamine actually start receding to someone who's drinking. So that was just super eye-opening to me because when I removed it from my life and I actually just like rebalanced the brain chemistry, I could feel fun and excitement in so many myriad of ways, like the hike, the stargazing, you know, just going out and walking on the beach. Like I found pleasure in everyday moments instead of looking for this artificial high to be fun and exciting. And I think it's honestly up to us. Like we're not meant to be sitting there passively drinking a drink that's going to shoot fireworks in the brain to call it fun. Like we need to go create our fun. And that's what I think alcohol really robs us of. It's like, it robs you of the opportunity of discovering what's fun for you. What gives you pleasure? What new hobbies do you want to explore? How do you want to get out there in the world? How do you want to be an active agent co-creating your fun? What are your passions? And so as I figure that out myself, like that led to literally my business, my book, everything I've been able to do. And it's just so fun to see clients do that too. Pottery classes, photography, just like really getting out there and almost being like a kid again, exploring the world. And when I think of alcohol, like being our sense of fun, I honestly see those little rats that are like have brain nodes on them and the scientists are just pushing a button and it's like exciting their brain. It's like in no shape or form, could you say that that is pleasure or fun? It's fake. It's fake. Like, yes, their brain's getting stimulated, but it's not real. The rats aren't really like doing something fun in their little playground. They're just sitting there like zombies, you know? And that's how I came to see alcohol. So like that's a few just beliefs that I think are really inherent in a, in a relationship with alcohol that we're able to be transformed. But this is the magic. It takes work. It takes a few months to do this. But once you can reverse all these beliefs, really kind of debunk them for yourselves, you lose your desire to drink. It's not like you can't drink. It's not like, oh, I have to suffer and deprive myself. You start to see it as like, mm, I don't want that. I don't really care for that. You know, I've got better things to do. I have better ways to meet my needs now. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And for me, I I love, I like I nerd out about dopamine. And if you guys haven't already listened to um, anything by Andrew Huberman, he has his own podcast called The Huberman Lab. He actually researches dopamine and all his other stuff. Um, I think it's Stanford. I don't remember. But anyway, so interesting. He's on Impact Theory with Tom Bellew and he has a few episodes on that, but it's the, the reward chemical and oh my gosh like to have now I don't look for huge dopamine hits for me personally it's like dopamine as a whole scientifically explains why you should enjoy every step of the journey more than the destination and of course if you're adding chemicals and toxins like alcohol into the mix it's going to screw the whole thing up but when you have a huge dopamine hit like that carolina described it beautifully you're going to get the spike and then it's going to go low and you're going to feel like shit you're going to feel depressed you're not going to feel motivated da, 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 da. i'm not even talking about like adding chemicals in like alcohol i'm just saying like once you have like a big huge goal accomplished and then you're like what am i going to do now well, you know what what am i doing with my life so that's that's one, th- that's one side tangent there. But secondly, I'm thinking about, you know, the past few years, it's been stressful for everybody. Things are changing rapidly in the external world. 
and not only stress levels, but a lot of, I think, heightened mental illness too is becoming more apparent. And alcohol, you know, I know personally affects that for other people. You know, I, I have close people that I personally believe shouldn't be drinking at all because I know even just messing with your blood sugar, but biochemically in your brain that, you know, why would you want to put something in your body that's going to be so deteriorating to your brain and, and your and your own illness? And I think it's really important for us to look at why why are we doing this? Why Why are we adding things that are only going to push us further away from who we truly, truly are? And you're a beautiful example of that, of like doing the work, uncovering those beliefs, ditching the alcohol. But now look at this, ironically, you have the confidence through alcohol now, but in a way that you didn't expect that because you're drinking it because, because, you know, because you see what life is without it. Um, I think that's all we're all supposed to be like that, right? Whether, whether it's alcohol or something else in our life that we, we just are little, sometimes stuck in our own little ruts or like worker bees, like you were saying with the rats, with the little neurons on their head. Sometimes we just get so caught in like the little hamster wheel of life. We don't take a second to realize we can get off of that and like look around and smell, smell the roses and figure and just listen and figure out who we really are. And it doesn't have to be a whole career, but you know, you and I love just, you know, creating things and helping people. It can be like you said, pottery class, just figuring what your soul needs. And I know for you and so many of us, alcohol can just mute all of that. It just, it just muddles that. Um, So how, I mean, it sounds easier than done, right? Easier than done of like, how do we switch from like, what are some steps after we kind of uncover these beliefs? Me personally, it's easier if I'm quitting a habit to add in like healthier things too. Like what are like some steps, like if people are interested, all right, I'm going to uncover my subconscious beliefs, but now what, what do I do with all this time? And like, I don't know, health, if you will. Yes. I love that question so much. Cause honestly, Lauren, like, I don't care what people drink at the end of the day. This is not about alcohol to me really is not. It is like the one transformation I've witnessed over and over and over again, that gives people life that gives people this, like, Oh my God, anything is possible for me now. Like it just changes the identity change you have when you're like locked into thinking that this habit is something you have to do, or is an expectation placed upon you or the only way you know how to cope. Like when you change that, you're like, whoa, like what else could I change? Like, like seriously, it's just, it it just, I've heard from so many people that say this one thing, and these people are not necessarily heavy drinkers. You, you assume obviously a heavy drinker is going to have a better life without alcohol, but it's crazy. These are even like lighter, normal, moderate, whatever words you use, they remove alcohol. And they're like, that was the best decision of my whole life. It opens up their creativity, their intuition. And this is what I'm so passionate about speaking about. You remove alcohol. You remove obviously the the physical substance that really does change your body. It's really harmful too. Like sadly, I don't really like to lead with scare tactics or anything, but two drinks a week will increase a woman's breast cancer risk by about 15 to 20%. Uh, It leads to cardiovascular disease. The World Health 
Federation just came out in January saying a glass of wine a day is bad for your heart. They've now refuted every study that says it used to be good for your heart and found a lot of problems with all those studies. The alcohol industry went wild, what trying to show us that alcohol is great for the heart. Drink some wine every day. Like, nope, all of that's been refuted. So, okay. On a physical level, like you, you will physically change your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your heart rate, all of those things will decrease your liver fat. Your brain will grow seriously. Like uh, Dr. D- Daniel Ammon from the Ammon clinics, he talks about just moderate, regular drinking all the time. He's like, drinkers have smaller brains than non-drinkers. It just affects your brain. Now, all of these things, again, not to be scare tactic wise, all of these things are rapidly reversible. Um, well, to a given extent, but like just five weeks off will radically heal your body. Like it's crazy. That's why I love just talking about, Hey, just take a break. Like you never know how much you'll fall in love with it. And it will change things really fast in the body, much faster than a lot of different other changes. But you remove that. You remove also all of that mental gymnastics I was telling about. I think I'm a very intelligent woman. I think I was given this brain that has this ability to have creative thoughts and see things in a new way and create things. And the brain before was only focused on how many drinks I would have or not that night. You know what I mean? It was like playing with small problems because that was the only problems I was presenting it with. Now my challenges are like, how do I reach a million people? How do I write a book? How do I create beautiful experiences for women? Like I'm really stepped into my God-given purpose and my creativity went up, my intuition went up and I really discovered what I was passionate about. Now, I think that we drink for so many reasons and, and the two biggest ones are like nobody's fault. Like, first of all, it has been programmed in us in our society. Like we grew up watching sex in the city. The percentages of people who don't drink versus who do have always been like ridiculously different. Like you go to a wedding, you are expected to drink. There's no way out of that. You know what I mean? Unless you're pregnant, that's your only excuse. It is literally like the pressure's so thick that it's just something we all like fall into. But then the repetitive nature of a habit like that you know, most people who drink alcohol, it's not like they've done it a few times in their life. You know what I mean? It is repetitively week after week after week. And that, that really creates this neural pathway in the brain to think like, Oh, stress. Oh, I need my reward. Oh, a good day. Oh, I need to celebrate with my reward. Right. It's that dopamine thing that gets really locked into the brain. So those things like are factors for anyone, but I honestly believe that underneath those things, which are nobody's fault, nobody's to blame for that. We are unfulfilled. We're unfulfilled. And I noticed for myself, it was like TGIF every week. I was like, I just can't wait for the weekend. The weekend's when I get to relax and wine, go out, go to my brewery festivals, go to the wine tastings. I never recognized how unfulfilled I was with my week. I was bored. I was restless. I was looking for something to do to take me away from that. And that's when I had that huge shift where like, I need to create fulfillment in my life. I'm not, I can't do it with this immediate gratification. That doesn't work. I need true fulfillment. I need true meaning. I need true purpose. And that shift had literally created me to do all these things that I've done. Like I quit my job. I launched a business. I wrote a book. It got picked up by Harper Collins. It's on bookshelves. It's in Barnes and Noble, all these things, but I'm not an anomaly. Like my clients have the exact same crazy stories. They will launch their own businesses, write their own books. One of my clients quit her corporate job that gave her a lot of stress and moved her entire family to France where they're having literally the adventure of their lifetime. And she plans to write a memoir about the experience. And she credits the entire like gumption it took to do that step as a result of changing her relationship with alcohol and working on what she really wants. 
Because if you think about it, I think for most of us, we just believe that we can't have what we really want, or we never even allow ourselves to articulate it. Cause it's like, oh, I don't deserve that. You know, like I would love this beautiful life, but I don't really believe I can have it. So I'm going to settle for a drink instead. But if we really put them together on like a scale and you really knew you could have this, like, you know what I mean? What would you choose in that moment? And I think when we're really being critical, we're thinkers, like there's so many bigger things that we really want in life. And I think it's not like alcohol is holding you back as in like, oh, you're drinking too much and it's affecting your career. I mean, like when you remove it, you get this flood of confidence, courage, productivity, motivation, just all of that comes running back to you because you can't numb the good without, sorry, you can't numb the bad without also numbing the good. So alcohol really does numb that part of you. So in my book and also in my courses and when I do coaching with women, Yes, we remove the alcohol, we change all those beliefs, but then the next phase is what is going to give you purpose and fulfillment. And I like to do very playful about that first. So at first, this is what I did as well. I just went out into the world and played. I just tried new things. And literally that's where those pottery classes came in, the photography. Like I I did writing workshops. I rode bikes a lot. I did hiking. I went to the symphony. I went to the galleries. I went to the channel. I just went out there Instead of another Friday night on my couch, you know, I went out and explored the world. And that really made me feel not only like, wow, there's just so much possibility of discovering what I really like, but also like, it's cool to feel like a beginner and like see something from like, when you're at the start of something, you can only get better at it. You know what I mean? Which can actually be a really cool feeling. Like, and so from there, I kind of discovered what my passion was and I knew I wanted to help women and I knew I wanted to launch a business. And so I got really then passionate. How do you launch a business? How do you launch a podcast? Um, but I think that's the thing is that we go through challenges for a reason, you know, and what more beautiful thing to do than actually be able to turn around and help the woman behind us and help lift her up to the point that you got to yourself. You know what I mean? And so... Uh, like finding and making sure you're fulfilled in your life, you know, whether you want to have more play, more fun, whether you want a career that has more meaning or fulfillment to you, whether you want a relationship that's deeper or, you know, really just maybe allowing your spiritual side to flourish. It's so unique. It's like a fingerprint for every person. But I, I think deep down, ultimately drinking is like a band-aid for that fulfillment we're really looking for. And we don't think about it in those terms, obviously, right? It's just, this is what you do. It's normal. You know, it's normal to turn the TV on after work too, but it's like, it stops us from really answering that question for ourselves. And so I actually work with women now, not only to change their relationship with alcohol. Like I usually start with, I'm going to personally coach someone. I have my book or my courses to do the various beginning stages work. But now I focus my time really on the woman who's already in that break from alcohol and really wanting to discover what her next chapter is that's going to give her that meaning and fulfillment and then implement it, you know, Um, because there's nothing cooler than really being the star of your own life. And I think us women like really take this like side stage approach or like, I'll just be in the sidelines. I'll just sit in the arena. I'll just watch this all happen before me. Um, And sometimes even clues like, well, who are you jealous of? Like, are you jealous of? that friend from high school who became a public speaker. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason why you're jealous of her. You're jealous of her because you also have a message that is meant to change lives deep inside of you and you're meant to share it. So there's all these different clues on figuring out what's next for you. But that's, I think, what's the most important part of this. It's not about what you remove. It's like literally what you gain and the leverage you have from such an identity change like that. You know, it takes courage to be alcohol-free in our society. It takes courage to order a mocktail at a bar. It takes courage to tell your friends you're not drinking. It takes courage to say no thank you to that rude person who keeps pushing it on you. 
that courage translates to the courage you also need to also take the road less traveled towards your bigger dreams and your fulfillment. Trust me, it will like work out that muscle like nothing else, you know? So those are a little tidbits from my book too. If anyone's interested in getting it, you can check it out at www.euphoricbook.com. But it also gives you an eight-week plan to actually go through kind of the process that I've been explaining in this podcast, like like systematically. Okay, week one, week two, week three. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm like tearing up over here because like that's what it's all about. Like I if you believe in the law of attraction manifestation, I ask myself this every single day. And sometimes I don't like the answers. But if I truly believe I'm the creator of my life, where does this belief fall short? Where am I self-sabotaging? Where am I continually hitting my head against the wall? And like, what belief are you uncovered? And sometimes that's like a lifestyle change, right? To be able to believe that our dreams are possible, that there is more than this mediocrity. And that's why I started doing what I did too. It's the same thing. It's like, I felt like I was having midlife crisis in my twenties and through, through anxiety and just like, there's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more than this. And when you get into that state and you're asking that no matter how it looks like that's, that's the kind of energy that, that's going to change, but find the resources, find, find the coaches, find the, the, find the books that are not only have gone through what you've gone through, but can help guide you to do the same for your life. Because I'm rereading the book, uh, The Big Leap by, I think it's Gay Hendricks. I haven't read it in a while. And one of my um, group coaching programs that I'm in, we're reading it together. And he he describes an upper limit problem, which is what I just talked about, what you talked about. It's like, we get, we have these certain like boundaries of like how happy we can be in our life in general, or like in any area of like success or happiness. And when we start to like get above that happy, like that level of okay, happiness, we'll self-sabotage. And that's such an easy thing to do every week with alcohol or whatever it is for you. Um, so I guess take a second and think about, do you have any upper limit problems in your life? And like, what have you always dreamed of? And if you don't have specific dreams, like myself, when I started doing this, I was like, I just don't want to feel like shit. I don't want to feel anxious. I don't, you know, I don't want to feel for me, it was very physical, like bloated all the time and, you know, have these migraines. Well, what's the opposite of that? And like, what are some steps can, can you do lifestyle wise, uh, mindfulness and, and like, just take that next baby step. If you're interested in learning more, we'll have all the links for Carolina, for her book, her podcast, her, her online course to work with her. But this is something I'm so passionate about too, because this is the way that we're going to change the world. We don't change the world. You can't change other people. You can only change yourself. And that that in itself will have a beautiful ripple effect of inspiration and empowerment across the universe, quite frankly. <laughs> it really does. You know, I have a client, like just as you're speaking, like she she was a powerhouse in the sense that like, she was asking those questions. And I think it's the intuitive ones who really start, you know, like, is there more? Or maybe the message is I'm made for more. I'm made for more than this, you know? And the thing is, it's so hard because like as a survival brain, like the way we've evolved, we literally would die if we did not conform to our tribes. You know, like if we like were separated from them, we would not die out there by ourselves. So we have also learned to be likable, to be small, to like really fit in with our tribes, to belong and have acceptance. And anything that like gives you that sense of fulfillment or being, you know, is often the road less traveled. So you have to really like 
question a lot of these things. Obviously, alcohol to anyone who's like regularly drinking, like this might be blasphemous, this conversation, right? Like that's just what we do, right? But like, why? Why is it what we do? You know, who decided that? When did we decide that? When in history did we decide that? Is that how everyone does it? You know what I mean? There's plenty of social circles out there that don't. So just being really curious about those type of things. But then using that also to discover, like, maybe the road less traveled for you is going to be a new passion that you develop or a website or advice you start giving online or any number of things. It's so beautiful how it just manifests like that. So I'm not a black and white thinker. It's not even about quitting forever. It's not about, oh, I'm never going to drink again. If this conversation interested you, like, I think it just proves that you are very intuitive and that you don't take things for just face value. You like to really look into and evaluate what things in your life, what factors are really either contributing or not contributing to it. So if you're interested, I, my first step for you is just lean in. You know, there's a lot of conversations happening in this space. A lot of incredible leaders talking about how amazing it is to be alcohol-free. Read a book. That'd be great if it was mine, right? But read a book, listen to a podcast, you know, like just start getting new information in your brain because the information that most of us get when we don't do this awareness work is just like, this is the code of adulthood. This is what you must do. This is the only way. And that's all not true. So just by seeing things in a new light, it really could make some aha moments. Then when you're ready to actually try a break from alcohol, it will be life-changing. I promise. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Carly, for coming on again. I learned new stuff this time around. Um, I'll make sure to link the original episode if you guys want to hear it for, I think, 2020, a few years ago. Um, but was there anything else you wanted to, to share or you felt called to talk about before we start to close the show down today? Uh, you know, I just, I think that there's so many bright lights out there and I think we're meant to play big. And I think us doing that creates a ripple effect, just like you're saying. I'm thinking of a client right now who not only changed her own relationship with alcohol, which at first was weird and odd and awkward in her social circle. And then all of a sudden, all her friends started looking up to her and really kind of being like, oh, like I'm, I'm curious about taking a break, right? And then they started talking about mocktails together. And, oh, did you try this new drink from here? You know what I mean? Like she wasn't the odd one out. She was the leader. She really was. She was the inspirer. She was the role model. And then what's really cool is she also launched a business as she went on this journey. And not only that, like her friends first were really inspired by her taking a break from alcohol. Some of them tried it. Some of them didn't, whatever. Then like when she took up, like when she launched this business, that spurred another ripple effect in her friend circle. And her friends were like, what? Like, maybe I have something like that to do. You know, it really inspires you. You can't do what you don't see out there. And sometimes just like living in your light and playing big and living in your purpose will inspire so many more people than anything else you could possibly do and change lives that way. So like, it's such a huge ripple effect. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, and I love what you focus on is what can you gain? It's not about the, what, what you have to take away. It's what you can gain from all of this. And I know we gained a lot listening to you today. Um, how may we, uh, as the listeners, as a huge act of gratitude, be of service and return for you today, Carolina? Oh, I have a, I have a request for you, your listeners. I would just be so grateful, so honored if you could do this. So um, if you were to get my book on, you know, Amazon, whether it's it's on audiobook, it's Kindle, it's on hardcover, you can get it in the UK and Europe and Australia, New Zealand, whatever. Check it out. But if you could leave a review, if you could leave a review, so Amazon, the way it works is that when there's a more reviews of the book, it actually starts recommending it to people, you know. And I know there's so many women looking for exactly this, you know, not this black and white kind of like AA methodology of changing or drinking, but just hey 
I'm a casual drinker and I don't know if this is serving me. Like I, I really want to use my intuition to decide what's next for me. This is the book for you, right? It's really empowering, really positive and has a really good plan to move you forward. So check it out. That'd be cool. But then if you could leave a review, like literally I've always been like, why are people so hungry for reviews? It's because it matters to like, it matters for like the algorithm to actually start recommending it for other people. And I would just be really, really touched if you could do me that favor. Oh my goodness. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you for doing us a favor for coming on here today and sharing your insight and wisdom. And I know that this episode will have a beautiful ripple effect for everybody. And if you guys thought of a loved one while listening to the show, as always, please share, share it along. That's why I started this show is all the insights, my own soul. It wasn't other people's insights. It was my own soul, right? Telling me, Hey, knock, knock, Lauren, something to look at. So if you guys feel inspired, please share this with others. And yeah, thank you so much for, for talking with us today. It was such a beautiful conversation and heartwarming and inspirational. Thank you so much, Lauren. Such a pleasure to be on the show again. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.